This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. Well, first and foremost, I want to welcome everybody for joining us on this Motzei Shabbat. Uh, and we have to obviously uh, thank our gracious host, Mr. and Mrs. Hedea, for uh, allowing us to host this class in their home. And also... And the daughter Jill and Mrs. Ms. Gadeloff for for arranging it. So thank you all, whoever was in uh, involved in the arranging of this shiutua. When we first want to deal with mazal, mazal, the topic is mazal and soulmate. So let's try to figure out first understand what is the idea of mazal, um, and we're going to speak a little bit about astrology. We'll speak a little bit about um, uh, uh, I can't say too many words now. Okay. Uh, about how to deal with this particular uh, situation. The translation of mazal, people usually think that it translates into luck. luck. Very good. The actual translation is planet, actually. Mazal actually means uh, planet, or also included is constellation, galaxies, and uh, stars as, as well. Uh, a lot of people use it for luck or destiny. In Yiddish, there's a different terminology that used. It's, it's known as bashart. Uh, bashat, I'm looking for my bashat, my, my soulmate. So it actually, actually correlates all together very much, uh, so. And it's very interesting when you speak to people, you have, you have a very wide range of differences what people believe in. You have some people that don't believe at all of this. They're like, wow, come on, this is all nonsense, doesn't, there's nothing to do with it. And then you have on the flip side that people swear by it. They go like beyond, they're, they're, all they focus on is just this and nothing else. And it's so interesting when you speak to so many different types of people, how the differences arise in the different ways of going into this. So, first we have to figure out what does the Torah say about this thing? Does the Torah actually say, is there such a thing as mazalot? Is there such a thing as, and by the way, when you speak about mazalot, um, you have people that deal with uh, their signs. So, uh, the, which, which month they were born in, and, uh, you know, which constellation they are part of, or what's their personality based on the constellation, and big red X on those things. Obviously, the halakha is, the Kabbalists tell us even, you have the, the one of the greatest Kabbalists, you know, today, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, wrote a book in Tamim Tihia, says that you're not supposed to do these things. Don't send your names to go look at the Kabbalists, and don't send it to see if it's good or if it's not. Tamim Tihia Elokecha. You have to be pure with God. Follow the Torah, and that everything else will take care in its place. Don't start making your calculations and figuring out, is this person for me or not, based on, you know, different uh, a different astrological uh, you know, calculations. But when you look at the Torah, the Torah actually does speak about this. Abraham, Abraham Avinu was born under the, uh, the, the planet of Tzedek, which is Jupiter. And Jupiter, when he was born under that planet, that, that power of that planet actually was the, was one of the, the reasons why he wasn't able to have any children. Because of that, uh, you know, of the constellation that he was born under. Obviously afterwards, God went and changed things around that would make it that he would be able to have children. But we see over here that Abraham, the Gemara tells us that Abraham was born under a constellation that didn't allow him. One of the reasons is, is that Jupiter is, it orbits, uh, the colder regions of the universe. And in order for fertility, whatever, you know, certain reasons, it has to be more in the warmth part of it. And since he was in the colder part, not in the warmth part, it had a, it had an effect on the, on the childbearing of Abraham and, and Sarah. The Gemara also tells us that if someone's born under the constellation of Mars, then it, they're prone to blood. You have, and you could either be a physician, 
you know, in the olden days it would be bloodletting. That was a very common, uh, you know, procedure. You also could be a mohel, also blood drawn. You could be a shochet, a butcher. Or you could be, you know, a robber that actually, you know, unfortunately at certain circumstances actually leads up to a murder as well. So we see over here that the Gemad does speak about astrology. And in fact, the Gemad in Moed Katan, page 28, goes and says that the, the Rava says that the children, length of life and sustenance, it depends on mazal. That's what it depends on. And even more, there's another Gemara page 16b, that says that there's an angel that goes over to God before the child is conceived. And they go and they say, what will be with this child? Will it be strong or weak? Will it be wealthy or poor? Would it be uh, smart or foolish? So there's a lot of things that are, we call it predestined, sort of like things that are going to happen already before uh, the child is already born into, into, this, into this world. And uh, we see that the, probably one of the most common examples of astrology and the use of it is in, in the days of Egypt, in Mitzrayim. We have over here that most when he was born, the astrologers of Paro and Egypt, what they would go, they looked into the stars and they saw that the redeemer of the Jewish nation is born on this day. And they also saw how was his end. His end was supposed to be that what? That he was supposed to end through water. That's why Paro made a decree that all the Jewish baby boys will be thrown, that's why specifically only the boys, will be thrown into the water because he wanted to bring the end clo- you know, closer. And really they were true. Obviously they were a little wrong in how his end will come about just because of the hitting of the rock and, and you know, as opposed to speaking of the rock. But, they were able to see this, which means is there mu- the Torah says this, meaning that there must be something over here. It's not just somebody with long fingernails and hasn't showered in a few weeks that is just talking and be like, I think you'll find the man in somewhere between the next one to ten years. You know, it's not someone that just throwing, there's actually some sort of science behind this. And the truth is, is that there are short-term and long-term indicators. If you're able to know how to look into the Kohavim, to look into the stars, you're able to see what the short-term future is and even what the long-term future is. However, very, very big, bold, underline, you know, capitalize, however, that nowadays, the majority of the majority of the majority of the majority, keep on saying majority a few more times, of people do not know the science behind this, the understanding behind this. And anybody, this is the way that I generally like to explain it, that the people that know about this don't tell people that they know about this. The people that do tell people that they know about this tell people that they know about this. So when you have someone that has psychic on the window, you know, I I don't want to get sued from the psychic industry, but don't go to them because somebody that's advertising psychic is not a psychic. Somebody that, you know, the, the, this is a science that is lost. It's, it's something, it's a discipline that was lost already for, for, for a few hundred years. However, this, such a thing did definitely, you know, exist. So don't open up your horoscope and figure out if you're going to meet someone special today or if you're going to invest in a business today or you should move or do whatever today. You know, follow God. That's what you're supposed to do. Daily news does not have the answers to your problems. I guarantee you that. Now, even to the extent that we know, okay, so the Torah does understand, you know, speaks about it, but we don't understand how much it actually affects. Astrology actually affected so many cultures in our day and age. So the Mel and I, which was written a few hundred years ago, brings down that there are seven stars that were crowned the leading stars by God when God created the world, and, and they have a lot of power. Those stars are the Sun, the Moon, the Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, and Saturn. Now, uh, there are also seven days of the week. Now, let's try it. Now, stay with me a little bit over here. In English, 
right? We call the first day of the week,、uh, you know, in English, is Sunday. Sunday is corresponding to the sun. And in fact, the, the Mall and I'm actually goes and brings this down even before we get to that. We have Sunday is actually corresponding to the sun. Monday is the moon. You can figure out. We'll speak about it soon, but maybe you'll be a little bit advanced for me. Tuesday is Mars. Wednesday is Mercury. Thursday is Jupiter. Friday is Venus, and Saturday is Saturn. Now let's look at English. English, you have already like three things over here that just pop out. Sunday, sun. Monday, moon. Saturday, Saturn. These are things. By the way, this is Alpi Kabbalah. This is not Alpi. You know, whoever created the, you know, these words. Then you look at Fre- anybody here speak French? Nobody. Anybody here speak Spanish? Okay, so Spanish will help me. French. Okay, I'll, I'll try to do it in French. In French, Tuesday is known as Mardi. Mardi is Mars for for Tuesday, and in French, Wednesday is Mercury. Mercury is at Mercury. Uh, you have Venus, which is Friday. In French, is Von. Let me try this. Von Drade.、Yeah, that's 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 for Venus for for Friday. Spanish. Who's a Spanish speaker? Okay.、Uh, if you know it, fine. If not, it's fine. You know how to say Monday in Spanish?、Uh, lunes. Lunes. Very good. After Luna, the Moon.、Uh, uh, Tuesday. Do you know? Martes. Martes after Mars. Wednesday. Mercury. Mer- after Mercury, very good. You're making my life a lot easier. Friday, Venus. <laughs> after Venus. So we see over here that what we think, oh, like some sort of like you know just weirdos with long hair and you know long nails that just didn't figure, you know that just. No, this is actually influenced so much of our culture that we don't even realize it. The days of even English, French, Spanish. You could go on to a lot of different、uh, you know、uh, languages that this is influenced it by. The Gemara Shabbat, page 156, actually goes on further and says that. That is the days, but every hour there is another star that actually influences it. And based on the hour and the day, there is different. So it's not only based on the day that you are born; it's also based on the hour that you are born that it influences which star was prominent during that hour. Stay with me over here. This is gonna get exciting. It's gonna get amazing. Just like bear with me over here. It's like focus. The Moranim goes and says like this: that out of these seven stars, the seven days of the week, four are good and three are bad. The four that are good are the Sun, Jupiter, Venus, and Mercury. Those are the four that that, that Present good,、uh, and again, if you're born in other, please, please, I'm begging you, do not think that you're a bad person or anything. If you took it in the, on the other days, this is just, you know, again, this is one of the reasons why I haven't spoken about this topic for a very long time. So I hope that it will present it in the right way. The three that can cause damage is Saturn, Mars, and the you know and the Moon. These are three planets that could cause that could cause damage. There are three commandments that were given by Hakadosh Baruch Hu to override these three these three effects of these three planets. What are those three commandments? Is Shabbat, Brit Milah, and Rosh Chodesh. Shabbat is corresponding Saturn. What is Saturn? Saturn Saturday. That is corresponding Shabbat. That overrides the the. the The problems, the causes, the bad effects that happens from Saturn. Then you have Mars. Mars is something very interesting. We said originally that what happens if someone's born on Mars? Someone is prone to blood. They're prone to either become a physician. They're either prone to become a murderer, or they either become to become a, you know a mohel. Different things that are prone to blood. Mars is also a red planet. There's different things that are corresponding to Mars. What is the mitzvah that God gave us to to、uh, override Mars? Brit milah, blood. That's also something with brit milah. And、then you have the moon. The moon is Rosh Chodesh. Very simple,、uh, you know, counterology. So there were three things: Shabbat, Brit Milah, and Rosh Chodesh that God gave us to override the effects of these three bad effects of these planets over over the Jewish nation. Comes the Greeks. We just finished the, the holiday of Hanukkah. The Greeks come and they said, "We want to go and stop three things, three sins, three mitzvot." I'm sorry, three mitzvot. What mitzvot did the Greeks want to get rid of? Shabbat, Brit Milah, and 
Rosh Chodesh, they wanted to be. Now, if you ask it, why would the Greeks care about these three things? The Greeks knew that there was a special planetary powers that they had. And the Jewish people overrode those planetary powers. And they wanted to bring the lesson. The non-Jews were, didn't have this mitzvot. The Jews did have the mitzvot. Let's put this on an evil playing field. They, the Greeks wanted to go and bring it down. And wanted this specifically, they told, you think about it, why would the Greeks choose Rosh Chodesh? Shabbat, fine. But now I understand. They took these things particularly in very, very specific reasons. They wanted to override the powers that these planets have on the Jewish nation. They wanted to bring the Jewish nation down to the level that these planets have an effect the same for the Jews and the same for the non-Jews. Then, this is also a very interesting thing. You have a difference between the mitzvot between the men and the women. The men were given specific, every single day, seven mitzvot to override these seven planets. What are the seven mitzvot? You have tefillin of the head is corresponding Saturn. You have the tefillin of the arm corresponding to the moon. And then you have brit milah that's corresponding Mars. Again, the same thing, brit milah with the blood. Then, the, the, every Jewish man is supposed to wear tzitzit every single day. The tzitzit has four corners. Those correspond to four good sides, which is the sun, Jupiter, Venus, and Mercury. Now you can ask, what about woman? Right? Come on, you gotta be fair. What about woman? Very interesting. So we have three bad planets, Saturn, Mars, and Moon. The women are given very three special mitzvot. What are the three very special mitzvot that a woman are given? Shabbat. Very good. Mikvah nida. Very good. And one more. Very good. Chala. So let's look. Shabbat candles overriding Saturn. That happens on, Sh- on Saturday. And Shabbat, that overrides that. You have Mars, that we said, that's blood. That's over Nida. That's going to the Mikvah. Then you have Chala, that's the moon. How is Chala related to the moon? Because Chala is the first thing that you do once you're starting to create the Chala, is you separate. It's separated. So it's the first ap- action that you do for the Chala, is you're separating it. The first planet, the first star in the, in, the, in the power of all these seven stars, which is the closest one? The moon. The moon is the closest one. So just like this is the first, this is the first as well. So you have over here, the you know, the, the women also have very, you, you know, you think about it, these are very powerful, powerful things. I remember, probably shouldn't say this on camera, but I was eating once with my wife many years ago in Sunflower Cafe, right over here on uh, King's Highway. And I overheard like two tables down, not because I was eavesdropping. I was not eavesdropping. <laughs> I was focusing on my wife. We were having a conversation, but there were two women that were sitting over there and they were saying, what's the point of, of mikveh? I'm going to go to the mikvah. Do I really need to? She was get. I'll tell you the whole story because I know it. Um, uh, she, you know, basically one woman was getting married very soon and they were talking to each other. Should she go to the mikvah? Should she not go to the mikvah? She was like, I'm not going to go. What are you? Ridiculous. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Why do I care about this? And I was like grabbing the tablecloth and my wife was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta. And she's like, it's none of your business. You know, you stay right here, right now. So I didn't do anything because obviously, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my, my place. But when you think about it, people don't understand the power of mikvah. People don't understand the power of challah, power of washkot. the power that the Jewish woman has. They don't understand. What do we do understand? Red strings everywhere. Bad effect of an uh, evil eye. The eye, whoo, the eye, right? Well, in our cars, we'll tie dollar bills everywhere. Which again, I never understood. Because if somebody wants to break into your car, he sees dollar bills hanging around over there. He's going to break into the car. Mikvah, not interested. Nida, not interested. Red string, shield protective thing. Shabbat doesn't matter. Where are we looking at? What is the focus of our, of, of, of our eyes should be what in the Torah? The Torah tells us what this is important, this is not important. Nowhere in the Torah says that you are required to wear a red string. You'll never see, and I've never seen, 
a capitalist, a big rabbi with a red string, a hamsa, you know, some other things going around him. Why not? If it's so powerful, wouldn't the capitalist want to wear, a, ca- a capitalist deals with this. Why Why doesn't he wear this? But yeah, the capitalist keeps Shabbat. It keeps kosher. It keeps all these things that they need to do. And then these things, they don't focus. And yet, you look at the people on the flip side. Nida, chala, rosh chodesh, red string. Gotta have it, right? The second the baby's born, Rabbi, come on, slap it on there. Make sure it's wrapped around the keva achel 27 times, not 7 times. You know, we go to the extent, but we focus on the wrong things. The power is right over here. The power is in the Torah. The power to override the bad influence of astrology is right over here. But yeah, we focus on the wrong things. Now, the Deir HaShem Ramchal brings down that, how does this work? There is, you know, why did God give powers to these stars, you know, to, to, to these constellations, to, to even the groups of stars? The, the way that it works is that there is a bridge between the next world and this world. And that bridge, part of that bridge, is the, the constellations. These are, these are the ways that, that, that if, if a decree is made or something is made, it passes through the stars, through the angels, and then it goes into our, um, into our world where we are today. The interesting thing here is when you look in the Gemara and you look at the people that were idol worshippers, what were they called the idol worshippers? Ovdei kochavim. They called the worshippers of the stars. They actually called ovdei kochavim umazalot. They were worshippers of the stars and the constellations. Now the question is, what? why would they consider, uh, you know, idol worship. You bow down to a tree, you bow down to a Buddha, you bow down to something else, you know, the person with many arms. You know, that's why you bow down to constellations. You know, what was it called? Because originally in the, the, the Nefesh HaChayim, HaChayim Velazha brings down that how did, how did idol worship come in, into play? Idol worship came into play right in the de- generation of Enosh. Enosh, what happened was that the people realized that God is amazing, God is great. Now God is going to go and care about me? Like, God is going to care about what I say and what I do and what I think. Like, that can't be. Must be that, and they understood the power of the constellations. They understood the power of astrology. And then, but they said must be that God gave the powers to the stars, to the planets, to the sun, to the moon, and so on and so forth. And if we want to get something, we have to go through them. So they would go, and they knew how to manipulate the stars, the planets, and the angels that were associated with the stars and the planets. So what they used to do is they used to worship, it was called idol worship, it was known as Ovdei Kochavim. They knew the power that this had, and they went and they worshipped it, obviously they were wrong, but they worshipped this, you know, this, this power. Now, it is very important to realize that if somebody, God forbid, has a bad mazal, Whatever it is, to each their own. Right? But if someone thinks that they have a bad mazal, it's not because they were born in a particular time and because of that, they have a bad mazal. It doesn't work that way. How does it work? That God had a decree, a plan for you. You have a specific plan in this world and your plan is to accomplish X, Y, and Z. In order for you to accomplish X, Y, and Z, you needed to be born in a planet X, Y, and Z as well. In a time frame in X, Y, and Z. Everything had to be exactly. So what happened? It wasn't, if people think of it the wrong way, it wasn't that first you were born in a constellation and be like, oh, well... You know, bad luck. That's all you can do to. No, rather, it was originally decreed for you to have this particular type of future. This is how you're supposed to live your life. So now that you're supposed to live this life, so now God is going to make you born in a particular day and in a particular hour. Now, one thing any woman that had children could attest to, you can't, you know, be like, well, I, you know, Tuesday is a good day at three o'clock. So, uh, yeah, let's, um, let's keep it in. So, you know, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's like when the baby comes out, the baby comes out. That's it. It goes when God wanted it to go. So you don't think that, oh, I have a bad mazal because it's bad, my bad luck. Absolutely not. It's a bad mazal or it's a good mazal. You don't know whatever it is. It comes directly from, from God. This is the problem that the, that the people in the generation of worshiping idols of the Enosh, they thought that they had the power to manipulate it and they really, that God didn't care about that. Absolutely not. God cares about every single one of us. Every single one has a direct plan, a direct correlation, a direct connection between you and God. 
And God created you in a particular day with a particular mazal for a particular purpose. The Gemara does say that there is no mazal for the Jewish nation. Now, what does that mean that there's no mazal for the Jewish nation? Really, and we'll see from, from a few stories, that really there is a mazal for the Jewish nation, but the Jewish people are able to override that mazal. The non-Jews, on the flip side, the non-Jews, they're not able to override the mazal. Whatever the mazal is already indicated for them, that's going to happen by hook or by crook. They don't have the 613 mitzvot, they don't have the 613 commandments, they are staying exactly on course for whatever the mazalot, whatever the constellation is already predicted for them. However, it's not so simple to read the constellations. Even, I'm not talking about now, when no one knows what they're talking about. Even in the days when they did know what they were talking about, even then it was very difficult to read the constellations. So even then it was very difficult to understand the, uh, you know, the, what the future holds for that particular, uh, for that particular person. Now, if a Jewish person, let's say, has a bad mazal, they are able to switch it to a good mazal, to switch, but, it's not easy. It's not, it's not a simple, it's not a simple task. <laughs> Usually you need a exceptional deed mitzvah or overcome an exceptional like you know temptation there's something that's got to be like really big that you overcome it that you're able to overcome your your mazal we see a few stories in the in the history of when you look in the torah you look at avraham avinu avraham and sarah were not supposed to have kids in the in the stars they weren't supposed to have kids yet what happened they were able to go and change the mazal and god says you're above the mazal he put him above the stars you're above the mazal and he was able to go and avraham and were not supposed to have kids ended up having kids you have leah leah is another good example leah who was she supposed to marry she was supposed to marry esav esav every single day we know that they had two brothers twin brothers you had yaakov and esav and you had you had also sisters two sisters you had leah and rachel so you had the older sister was supposed to marry the older brother and the younger sister was supposed to marry the younger brother who was the older sister the older sister was leah who was the older brother esav who was the younger sister rachel who was the younger brother yaakov Older to young, older to older, younger to younger. So you had Leah to Esav, Yerachel to Yaakov. But what did Leah know? Leah started asking around. She's realized that everyone's speaking about that. Oh, Leah's gonna marry Esav. So she wasn't just sitting over there writing Dear Diary when me and Esav go out on our honeymoon. She was trying, she was asking around. So what's, what's Esav up to? And what do you think they told him? He's a murderer. You know, he's an idolater. You know, he's not a good guy. You know, he's not in the Bet Midrash. He's not sitting there. He's, you know, he's not, he's not doing the best things. So she was like, wait a minute, this is who I'm intent, who I'm, who I'm going to marry? She started going and it says, and I'm Brakot. They were, they were red. They were, cause she was constantly crying. She was constantly praying. She was constantly fasting. She was like, God, please, I don't want this. I don't want this. Meaning that something that was predestined for her, Esav, she kept on crying and praying and praying to God. And what happened? She didn't end up marrying, marrying Esav. Who did she end up marrying? Yaakov. But even more so, look how powerful the, the, the power of Tefillah is. Who married Yaakov first? Leah married Yaakov first, even though she wasn't destined to marry her. That is the power that a Jewish person has the ability to go and change the mazal. But don't think that it's simple, don't think that it's easy. But every single one of us do have the ability to go and overcome it. And this is why a Jewish person should never despair, never give up, never feel that there is no hope. There is always hope, there is always something that you can do. However, very important to, to point out over here, there's a flip side to this. The flip side is that if just like a, per, a Jewish person could go and change their mazal by doing good, if a Jewish person does bad, if a Jewish person doesn't follow the Torah, if a Jewish person doesn't keep the mitzvot, if the Jewish person doesn't follow all the commandments that God gave, they could have been born with the most amazing mazal. A mazal of panasah, a mazal of children, of happiness, of shalom bayit, of everything amazing, of health and everything. But because they didn't listen to God, this has the ability to flip it on the other side and also cause them to, call, to, to have them a bad mazal as well. 
Now the Gemara on Shabbat, page 156b, goes and sp- says like this, a story of, of, of a person, of a girl, who actually switched her mazal. And this girl is none other than Rabbi Akiva's daughter. Rabbi Akiva's daughter was, when she was born, the astrologers went over to Rabbi Akiva and said that this girl is going to die on her wedding day. She's supposed to die on her wedding day. Imagine telling that to a father. And what's the interesting part of this is that, you know, as she grew older, you know, there were, I guess, boys that were set up, and she, the Rabbi Kiva said, fine. She went and not only did he say, fine, they scheduled a wedding date. There was a wedding date that was supposed to happen. If you would, you know, God forbid, we should never hear from this, but if somebody would go and hear that the daughter is supposed to die on the wedding date, this woman, she's never getting married. You know, like, that's the end of it. Like, you know, that's where it goes. But... What's interesting over here is that Rabbi Akiva had such a monam, such a level of faith in God and says that we do what we need to do. And what did Rabbi Akiva do? Rabbi Akiva says, okay, they find a good shidduch and they were supposed to, you know, schedule the wedding date. The wedding date was supposed to happen the next night. The next night. And the custom is that the Jewish, um, you know, Chatan and Kala, they fast on the day of the wedding. So what happened? The night before the wedding, the, the whole house is, you know, like everybody's busy, you know, setting up for the wedding. And they tell the kala, listen, tomorrow's your wedding. Take it. Here's a plate of food. Here, go to your room, eat, go to sleep, get ready for the big day. So she takes a plate of food and she goes to her room. As she's walking to the room, there's a knock on the door. She opens the door. There's a beggar over there. And the beggar's like, please, I'm begging you. I haven't had any food in days. I haven't eaten. Please, do you have something? And she's looking at her plate of food. She's looking at this beggar and she's like, and she gives him the she gives him the, the plate of food. He goes, he takes it, he eats his satisfaction, and he leaves. Meanwhile, she goes up to her bed. She, you know, gets ready for bed. She takes out her pin that holds her here, and she used to place her pin in the wall, in a certain hole in the wall. And she placed her pin in a hole in the wall. She goes to sleep. The next night she wakes up. She wakes up and she takes the pin out to put it back in her hair. And she takes the pin out, and out comes with it a long poisonous snake. And she screams, and everyone comes running in, and Rabbi Akiba hears about this. And he's like, What happened? Like, what did you do? You know what the first question that he asked? First of all, what mitzvah did you do? This is what a rabbi doesn't go and start saying, like, oh my God, I can't believe I gotta call the, you know, insulation people, you know, because what's going on here? No, no, no. He said there's a reason and a rhyme for everything that God does. So tell me, you must have done something. What mitzvah did you do? So she said, listen, there was a beggar coming here last night. Everybody was so busy preparing for the wedding. Nobody heard about him. I was the only one there. So I figured, you know, I'll give him plate, my plate of food. So I gave him my plate of food. What did, what did Rabbi Kiva say? You quoted a pasuk in Mishlei. He said, Tzedakat Here you have that you give charity. It saves you from death. You have the ability to save you from death. Says Rabbi Elia Lepian. He goes and says like this. He says that... You think that it was a, just just happened to be lucky that a poor person came the night before our wedding when she was supposed to die? No, no, no. God orchestrates everything. That because she had a bad situation coming to her the next day, God gave her an opportunity to give her the merit, the schut, to be able to go and overcome this bad bad decree. So what happened? So a, ba- a poor person came to her home and knocked on her door right when she was going to sleep. Why? Because she needed merit right then and there. She needed merit to override her bad mazal. And because of that, she was able to go and be saved from it. Says Rav Elia Laplan, you have to be very careful in your life. You never know when the next time somebody's going to come knocking on your door or somebody's going to call you for a favor or somebody, or there's going to be a temptation for you to sin. And you don't know what God does is God sends you a temptation, a mitzvah, or something that you could do to override your, your, your bad mazal in the future. So the next time that you come across something that you need to do, either bad or good, you have to think for a second, who knows, if God is sending me this right now, to override something terrible that's supposed to happen in a day or two. From that, we learn something very important, that over here we see that the Jewish people are in fact affected by the mazalot. 
Because otherwise, Rabbi Kiva says, I don't care about this. But Rabbi Kiva, you know, like he did work, you know, he did, he did come, you know, to, into, into effect saying you must have done something. But what do we see over here? That you, every single Jewish person, a Jewish man and a girl has the ability to go and override this bad mazal by doing this certain, certain mitzvah. It says the Zohar, something very, very scary. That says if one does not follow the ways of the Torah, and he does not follow the ways of the, of the commandments of, the, of, of God, then he returns to be under the dominion of the stars. The stars have complete effect on him just like that. He does not have the ability to override it. How do you have the ability to override it? When you follow God, when you follow the Torah, you follow the mitzvah, you follow Masih, you follow what you need to do, you have the power to override any bad mazal that you need to do. So you have to think for a second, if you have something bad going on in your life or something that you want to change, the first and foremost thing that you need to ask is not do I have enough red strings or dollar bills on my car. The first thing that you need to ask, am I listening to God? Am I listening to the Torah? Am I doing the mitzvot and the halachot that I need to do? If not, then that's what you focus, that's what you need to do to change your mazal. Now it's very interesting when you, as just an introduction to what soulmates, what mazalot actually means. But when you look at Dealing with now dating in the dating world is something very, very interesting. And I only see this because I, you know, people speak to me and I have, you know, from, from like all angles and I see something very interesting that you have people, I'm going to try to say this as nicest way as possible. You have people mediocre at best. That's like giving them bonus credits for personality, looks and money that they don't have, right? That mediocre at best. But why do they come and they tell me? You know what? I'll tell you a story. But I have a guy, a student of mine, he comes over to me one day, and he's like, Rabbi, again, if you understand what this means, fine. If not, then may God bless you. He's like, Rabbi, I can only get a 10 and nothing less. And I, I told, anybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm pretty blunt, which can, can, you know, be problematic at some times. And I'm like, um, what makes you think you deserve a 10? Uh, you know, I didn't say this to him, but I'm like, you're probably a 3 or 4 at best. And I'm, including money also. And you don't have that. Um, so, like, what makes you think of that? But it's something very interesting. You have somebody mediocre, wants somebody supreme on the high... Like, why would somebody want your dull personality? Like, why would, why would somebody with good midot, good toa, good ashkafa, good, you know, good everything, good family, want to go deal with you? But yet, somebody from here wants somebody from here. And you think about it, only in Shidduchim. You never sell an object. You never, if let's say somebody's in commerce. You never, if you're going and you're selling an iPhone... You don't expect somebody to pay for your iPhone $43,000. You expect someone to pay $1,000 if it's the newest iPhone, whatever the price going is. Again, on the flip side, you don't expect someone to pay $300, assuming it's a real iPhone. You're not expect, you expect someone to pay around market value. Sale, fine, $800 to $1,100, whatever it is, right? I don't know, I'm not, I don't know, I'm an Android guy, whatever it is. So, whatever the iPhone price goes for, you expect to pay market value. You have real estate, someone that's buying real estate. If a property is worth, you know, $5 million, you expect to pay roughly around $5 million. Always you find a Metsia, you find something, but generally you're going to, you're not, you're not going to you know, buy it for, for $50,000. But yet, in every single other item in the world, people know, think of what they pay for. Yet, when you deal with Shidduchim, you have somebody who should ring bells in Notre Dame, and then you have somebody <laughs> that, you know, is the princess, and they think, my shidduch, Rabbi, come on, set it up. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Like, like, you know, like, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, like, you think about why, and you know what's interesting? Again, I gotta be very careful. But who are realistic in, in their expectations when the, in the dating world? People, 
when they realize they have issues, when they realize they have problems, when they realize they have a disability, all of a sudden they're realistic. Everybody else, and by the way, I'm including people that have low self-esteem. I've dealt with people with low self-esteem, they still want the world. I, I'm like, I'm like, your diagnosis is wrong. I don't know what to tell you. You know, like, look at your heels. Mazal tov, you know? Yeah, you want to, you know, like, you want a 10 and you're uh, whatever. So, when you go, What's even more interesting is that's the honest truth. But yet, what do we see? Sometimes we, th- we see somebody who's a shlomazel, somebody who's really a three, that marries a ten. And then you start thinking, how did it happen? You know, and sometimes people try to figure out, so, uh, how did you guys meet? You know, like, you know, did you save her life or something? You know, like, you know, like, what's going, like, how did this happen? And the other guy's like, no, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, like, I don't know. We got set up and everything worked. Sparks were flying. Everything was amazing. But the way that it worked, you see that all the time. That you see people that one person is amazing, the other person is... <clears throat> and you start wondering, like, how did this work? How did this work? It's so unbelievable. You don't want to know why? Because God is Mizadek Zivugim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who does the Zivugim. Now again, don't, don't take this the wrong way. Be realistic in your expectations. You have to be, you have to do your ishtadlut, your correct ishtadlut. But, we see something very interesting over here that, that the zibugim, the mazal, the mazal for a person comes for directly from God. It doesn't come from whatever you can, you can offer, whatever you think that you have to offer. It comes directly, uh, you know, directly for, you know, from God. And, if you go, and you do what you're required to do, and you do what is important for you to do, then you have, then you know that you will get the, your predestined, your predestined shidduch. Some people are nervous that maybe I will, you know, get some, I'll lose my, my, my zibug. Let's use it that way. I'll lose my zibug. And you have, for example, you have some woman that go and they feel that maybe they're not the most, you know, they feel that they're on the highest level of where they're looking. So they decide they need to cancel, you know, the zivuk. I mean, if a zivuk cancels because you have a little, you know, pimple growing out, that's not your zivuk. If you have another face growing out of your face, then fine. Maybe it's a good idea to push it off. But generally speaking, in order for a zivuk to be canceled, it doesn't happen so easy. If something serious, yes, you could mess it up and you could go and, and, you know, lose it. You know, you had a very interesting story that there was once a, there was a young lady who um, was in this, some sort of Shabbat situation. I don't know the details of it. And there's a young man who decided that he wanted to date this young woman. And he goes over to like a middleman, a Shatran, and says, can you uh, set it up? So Shatran goes over to this person, and this woman says, absolutely not, not interested at all. This, the, this young man was very, you know, like pushy for it. And he says, come on, you got to do, uh, you got you to give me something. You know, you got to try. And he kept on pushing, pushing very politely. And finally, you know, the, the middleman, the Shatran, eventually convinced this woman to go out with this guy. And this guy, you know, this woman, even when she went out with this guy, she wasn't interested. So she decided that she's going to like, I don't know if this is the right terminology, bland herself out. Like, make it like, he doesn't want like, oh, you know, I'm so boring, there's nothing. Like and Self-sabotage. Yeah, self-sabotaging the situation. And he picked up on it. And in his mind, it was like, okay, challenge accepted. You know, like, you know, how guys work. And what happened all of a sudden? Now, now, instead of being a regular date, he gave it his all. He, like, he put it all out there. And he, like, all, all his, all his abilities he went and he put it out there. And the girl still said no. Still said no after all that. But he very politely went and he tried to, like, you know, like, like just give me another shot, give me another shot. Very politely with normal amount of ishtablut. She decided fine. And now that he realized he had to up his game, so he upped his game. And all of a sudden, 
she's like, okay, he has some like interesting qualities. <laughs> and again, I'm not saying you should try this at home, whatever it is, but, but all of a sudden you started realizing like there's something going on over here. Like I actually like, and long, you know, long story short is, uh, you know, they're married now. They're actually married now to, to the fact, but when you think about it, how did they get married? If she would have went and agreed to go out with him and just said, yeah, okay, fine, we'll go out. Then what would have happened? He would have been his normal self. She would have been her normal self. And they would have been interested in it. Because what happens in the normal self? You don't, when you're on a date, you don't all of a sudden start sharing all your deepest, darkest secrets. You, you know, you don't sit on a date and you're like, one second. What are you saying? Yeah. And she's like, who are you talking to? I was like, one second, I'm getting a phone call. And she's like, uh, you don't have any Bluetooth in your ear. Like, what type of phone call? He's like, no, these are just the voices. One second. I don't have my... My tinfoil hat, I left at home, so just like bear with me once. You don't usually do that on a date. Why not? Because you'll never get married. Now, what happens when all of a sudden, you know, because generally when people are on a date, they're the fake selves. They're not the real selves. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, you know, like knife and fork. Right? Of course, we always eat pizza with this. Uh, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, when you get to know them, you know, all of a sudden they're inhaling food, you know, without even swallowing it. But when you look at... This situation, this situation, he knew he didn't have to be on his regular shidduch game. He had to be on his shidduch game on steroids. He's like, this is not going to happen. So he goes and he ups his game times a thousand. All of a sudden, what happens is, you know, the personality comes out. So the personality came out. All of a sudden, she's like, wait a minute, I actually like this guy. You know, that's what came out. But if it would have been regular, it would have never happened. So the only way that this would have happened is only if she would have said no, and then he would have said yes, and then she would have said no, and then he would have said yes, and then that's how it would have happened, because that's how he would have made it. So we see over here, God takes care of the zivugi. God takes care of this Shudokim. I want to share with you a story. Is there something? Yeah. Uh, we didn't speak about how to lose Shudokim yet. <laughs> yes. So before we get into that topic, let's try to... Um, there's, there's, a, there's an amazing story. Whenever I speak about this, I feel I have to share this. It's a story that I heard uh, from the rabbi involved. And again, some of you heard the story before. So there was a girl an older girl that she had her, her own personal rabbi and she heard that this rabbi had a um, a Kabbalist coming to his house that night. And she's like, I'm going to meet this Kabbalist because, you know, i got to figure out what's going on with my life. Um, and she goes, she comes to the rabbi's house, you know, at that night night. She knocks on the door, rings the bell. The rabbi opens in. She walks in. There's the rabbi and the Kabbalist. Now this, you know, again, like I said before, there are certain Kabbalists that they, you know, they know a lot by just looking at you, by, let's call it, reading your palm. And again, I have to, like, you know, reading your palm, is very against this. You're not supposed to go to people that read your palm. Uh, and again, people that say that they know how to read your palm, they don't know how to read your palm. Don't know that. People that don't know how to read your palm, maybe they know how to read your palm. Um, or maybe they just don't know. Uh, so there's a flip side. So uh, 99 to 1% chance, right? So go figure it out. So... This particular rabbi knew how to read palms. Obviously, didn't say that he knew how to read palms, but he knew how to read palms. And somehow, this girl found out that he knew how to read palms. And this girl was an older woman, and she wasn't married yet. And she wanted to figure out what's going on. So she came, and the night, when her rabbi was together with this Kabbalist that knew how to read palms. She comes into the house, she goes over to the rabbi, and she goes, What does it say? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what you told me. He's like, come on! I know you don't, come on, you know, certain things you don't stand in front of a woman, right? In front of her baby and in front of like when, whatever she's like, does this. So, um, he's like, you know, you know, like they're looking at the palm and the rabbi that said the story and the Kabbalists that were together with him, the rabbi said that 
this Kabbalist taught him a few lines, like what to look. And one of the lines he taught them is marriage and childbirth lines in the, in the arm. Because by the way, there is, there is a, a, a science behind this. We just don't know it. And people that do do it, again, don't say that they know it. But there is a science behind it. And there are, Kabbalistically, there's, there is, there is, there is, uh, you know, Kabbalists that do know how to deal with this. But again, don't do it. Um, so, they're both looking, you know, she's like, she's doing this, and she's doing this, and they're, so they're looking, and they're looking at her arm, at her, her palm, and she doesn't have a line for marriage, and she doesn't have a line for children. And they're looking at it, and then they're looking at each other, and then they're looking at the line, and they both see what they're not seeing. And they're looking back, and looking at this, and she's like, so when am I going to get married? You know, like, when is this going to happen? And, you know, the rabbi didn't want to answer. He's like, there's no, what he's going to say, there's no lines, it's not going to happen. So he, he looks at the capitalist, you know, like, diverting it to him and he says so she's like thank you very much she goes and she leaves and you know the rabbis and are speaking about each other and they're like like you saw something you're like no i didn't see anything she's like why did you say that she's gonna be soon he's like what am i gonna tell her that she's not gonna get married what am i supposed to do what am i supposed to say so they left the story at that a few months go by and her rabbi, the non-capitalist, the regular rabbi, go, gets a phone call from her. And she had a very, very difficult test that she was dealing with. And she goes to the rabbi and she's like, I don't know if I could pass this test. And the rabbi gave her the instructions on how to pass the test. And she went and she, over, she overcame her situation, her particular situation in that test. And that's it. The story ended over there. A few months later go, go by and all of a sudden she calls the rabbi. She says, Mazal Tov, I'm engaged. Oh, wow. And he's like, he's like, wait, is... Does the guy know? Is like, are you sure? Like, you're really engaged? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm engaged. You know, it's a, he's like, I mean, I mean, Mazatov is amazing. It's unbelievable, Mazatov. It's so unbelievable. And she goes, and not only she got engaged, she actually got married. And when the rabbi told me this story, she was actually in her eighth month in pregnancy. You know, she did not have a line, not for marriage, not for children. In her palm, both of them saw it. Yet somehow she went and she changed it. And I went and I even, I even spoke to somebody who knows how to, you know, read lines and I said, you know, why don't you, you know, do it? He says, what am I gonna do? He says, if there's one person that goes and I read the lines and then they say, they say, then the whole lot, everything changes. It's constantly, you know, like moving. Exactly, everything changes, but Jewish people have the ability to change it. Non-Jewish people, it's directly the same. So a Jewish person able to, here you see a woman that had not a line for marriage, not a line for children. Yet, when the rabbi was saying over this story, she was married and she was eighth month in pregnancy. That's the level that a Jewish person has the ability to change. So what do we learn up here? You never, ever, ever give up. A Jewish person never gives up. A Jewish person always has the ability to go and overcome, even if something is bad. Even if something is destined for them to be wrong, and destined for them to be terrible, never give up. Even if you're 150 years old. You could still get married. You could still have children. Abraham had a child by nine, by 100 years old. So, however, now we have to go and figure out, is it possible to lose your soulmate? Is it possible to go? Let's say something is predestined for you. Can you go and can you mess it up? And the answer is, unfortunately, yes. God gave each and every single one of us free will. And we have the ability to choose what we want. And there's a few ways that a person could go and lose their soulmate. And one of the ways is that they can be too picky. Some people are too picky. Like, you know, a student of mine that I had that he said that he's only going to marry, you know, a supermodel. Anybody else? Not even on the table. So I, I t- this, I, this I told him straight to the face. I'm like, you're going to be single for a very long time. And he's like, so be it. And I was like, this is a weird conversation. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and, you know, but if someone's too picky, then they have the ability 
to have to go and to lose their soulmate. They have, you have also people that they push it off. No, first I have to make panasa. And then I have to buy a few buildings. And then I have to figure out where I want to live. And then I have to buy the house and design it. And then I have to get married. And then the woman has to redesign my house, resell my buildings to buy her jewelry. And then whatever it is, a circle of life, right? Whatever it is that people go on. But like, wait a minute, you have an obligation that you need to do. You have to go and you have to follow, follow the ways of the Adalacha. You could go and you could, a person could lose their soulmate. And I want to share with you something. They came to Rabbi, to the stipler gone. The stipler gone goes and they, there was older singles that used to come to him. And says, Rabbi, where's my zivug? Where's my bashat? Where's my mazah? Where's my soulmate? He says, I'm old, where, where is everybody? And you know what the stipler said to them? Said that they were sent to you, but you rejected them. You had the ability to go and reject your soulmate. You reject, they came to you, but you rejected it. So what, it's on, it's on God all of a sudden? Who said, maybe it's your fault? Maybe it's your fault that you went and you rejected it because you were too picky and you were this and you need this and you particular. Again, there are certain things that you need to be picky with. That's why you have to speak to your rabbis, you have to speak to your mentors of what and how and I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to date and who is, what's something that it's, it is a red flag and what's something that's not a red flag. I spoke to, to, you know, to, to an older single, and they told me they only want someone that speaks Russian. I'm like, why? <laughs> so they can converse with my uh, parents. Oh my gosh. I'm like, they need to converse with you. Parents are secondary. You be the translator over there. You know, like the last person. He's like, wait a minute, that's not like a red flag. I'm like, what? A red flag? No, that's not a red flag. This is why you're single. Like this, I mean, maybe this and a bunch of other reasons, but this is one of them for sure. Like what? Because they don't speak your parents' language? You know, you have people that they go and they want to be in a part of a certain community. And I agree with that in the beginning. So let's say a person is younger and they want somebody from that community, fine. But if they're getting older on an age, and again, what that means is to each one in themselves, but if they're getting older on an age, then stop worrying about only for yourself, stop worrying about only your community. So if let's say you're Sfaradi, so instead of going figuring only Persian, okay, so go and open up to all Sfaradim. Does it have to be only Persian? My parents are gonna sell me out. You're not marrying your parents, you're marrying this person. You have to, re- you have to, it's very important, you have to realize that your parents are not getting married to this person. You are getting married to this person. You have to figure out what is it that I want. So if it's not, if in the beginning you wanted the same custom, Hazaka Ba'uch, may God bless you and figure it out the way. But if it gets older uh, later on in the years and you're not finding somebody, you gotta move on. I spoke to a friend of mine who was, um, he's, he's past, he's, he's in his 40s. And he was very particular in what he wanted. And I, t- I shared with him this story. I shared with him, you know, the story that somebody once went over to the rabbi and two weeks before Sukkot. And he says, I want to buy a beautiful kosher etrog and a beautiful, you know, the highest level of the, 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 the highest level of etrog and love and everything. And they said, okay, good, good, good job. Chazakabok. And then that was two weeks before Sukkot. All of a sudden, there's a week before Sukkot, but you still didn't find an etrog. You still didn't find a love. What are you going to do? So I'm still looking for the best. So fine. Then finally comes Elef Sukkot, the day before Sukkot. And they're like, I'm still looking. The, the rabbi says, forget about the best. Find someone that's kosher and just go with it. Now again, how do you relate that to marriage? It's another whole other thing. But if somebody's getting older on and they're very particular in certain things, you have to figure out what am I particular with? Am I messing myself up? Am I saying something that maybe I shouldn't be saying? Am I going, am I being picky? If you're going and you're a religious person and you want someone religious, that's not something you should be picky with. But if it's somebody that lives in a certain zip code or has a certain, you know, last name, that's, that, maybe that's not your zivuk. I once and I spoke to a student of mine and a student, he told me he's only married from his community. And I asked him straight out, what happens if your bashart, if your soulmate is not from your community? And he answered me one of the saddest answers that I ever heard. He says, then I won't get married. Wow. That's what he told me. He said, I'm not going to get married. 
Baruch Hashem, now he's married. But, 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 you know, it could have turned a lot sour, you know, like, you know, a lot, lot worse. But we see over here, you have the ability to lose your soulmate. Who said that God decided that you're going to marry somebody from your community? Who said? In the beginning, you want to choose it? Fine. But if you're not getting dates, and if that's not working out for you, branch out. You know, it's just like business. If you can't, if you're not working out over here, you start branching out. You have to do your normal hishtablut that you have to do. Says Rabbi Eliyahu he goes and it says the name of Rabbi Saul Salanta that, you know, Sometimes it's good that God delays your zivug. Why does God, why could it be that good that someone delays your zivug, especially for people that are bal tshuva, that are coming closer to religion? Because, well, that also, that's for sure, that's included in this. That sometimes people are, in a sense, that they're not there yet. They're not, you know, the perfect person they could be for their, for their soulmate. It's something that I say over and over again, that people always look for the right soulmate. And I say instead of looking for the right soulmate, be the right soulmate become the right soulmate. People are like, I want someone with perfect mitot. I'm like, you get angry if someone cuts you off. Like, why do you deserve someone that has, you know, perfect mitot? You have to go and you have to become a perfect person. You want a perfect person? You become perfect. And then you'll get a perfect person. That's what the Gemara Sata says. You have to go and you have to deal with it the way that you are, the level that you are. But says Rabbi Sohel Salanta, and Rabbi Elohim goes and says that in the days of the generation of the Tanaim Amaraim, the days of the Gemara and the Mishnah, they had a certain amount of siyata d'shmai, help from heaven. But in our generation, this is talking about, you know, over a few hundred years ago, in our generation, God helps us more. Because we're more distant from the Torah. We're more distant, so God helps us more. Now, certainly, in our generation, where we're even further away than a few hundred years ago, that if you're going and you're keeping the Torah, God will assist you. And even more so, if someone's a bal tshuva, if someone's coming closer to God from a, from a life that they weren't close to God, then certainly, certainly, the God will help you out and go and guide you to go and find your zivug, your your soulmate. But you have to be very, very careful. You have to you have to think about it that you the way that you're supposed to do your zivug, the way that you're supposed to choose your zivug is the way like melech. Melech is is a king. What's a melech? Melech is first the moach, first the intellect, then the lev. Then the heart. Melech is mem, lamed, chaf, and the chaf. So you have the melech, the moach, the lev is the heart, and then the kaved is the liver. The moach, that's the intellectual aspect of it. Then you have the heart, the heart, the emotions. Then you have the liver, that's the desires. The way that you're supposed to choose your soulmate, intellectually, does this make sense? Then you go to the heart, do I have an emotional connection? And then you go to the desires, am I attracted? Yeah, thank you. Really, what happens nowadays, it works all the way around. First it goes from the, from the desires, am I attracted? Then let me figure out if this person is, is on par with my emotions. And then hopefully, you know, my emotions are so clouded by my desires and my emotions that I don't even think about intellect until it's, you know, five years later in therapy. So when, the way that it's supposed to be is more melech. You're supposed to be a melech. To, that's why Bilam, what did he try to do? He tried to curse the Jewish nation with kalem. Instead of thinking like a Jew is supposed to with Melech, with Moach, Lev, and Kaved, he says Kalem, which is directly the backwards of that. Kaved, Lev, and Moach. He wanted to reverse the thing. So we have to go and override that. And we have to go and think really the right way. The right way is you go and you speak to your parents, you speak to your rabbis, you speak to your mentors, and say, is this person right for me? Intellectually, does this make sense? Now that it makes sense, emotionally, do I connect with this person? And after, am I, am I attracted to this person? Again, all these three things have to do, have to fall in line. But a person has to think about it in, in the right sense. So when Bezat Hashem, when a person goes and thinks about it in the right sense, and deals Deals with it in the right sense and goes and follows the way of the Torah and Mitzvah and Bazar Hashem. Only good will happen to that person. Okay, open up for questions. I'm nervous to say open up for questions, but open up for questions. Yes. Would it be better to just work on fixing everything, or should we now look upward? 
Okay, so definitely, definitely don't look at your fortune because you, we don't know how to look at the fortune. So when you look at the fixed things, yes, you should fix, but you fix things internally. Every single person knows what they need to fix themselves. They know what they need to work on. They know what they need to eat. The truth is that sometimes we're like, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. But like when you're honest, with, you do like, you know, like an honesty session with yourself. I don't know, whatever that's called. Like, like, what is it? Cheshbon HaNefesh, obviously. But, but when you're like really true to yourself, you'll be like, okay, wait a minute. I need to work on X, Y, and Z. That's what you should work on. Don't look at when you're born. Don't look at when your chatan is born. Don't look at all these things. Don't send your name to Kabbalists. Don't send it. Just If everything makes sense, your parents are in agreement, your rabbis are in agreement, mazal tov. Everything else doesn't worry. Obviously, always work about becoming a better person, fixing yourself. Don't go into a marriage thinking that I'm going to fix him or I'm going to fix her. You fix yourself. And then they'll fix themselves also. We work together. But the main thing is you have to go and fix yourself and realize what you need to do. If you need to fix in the Torah and the mitzvot, you need to fix in character traits, which definitely needs in a marriage, then work on those things. So the way that it works with Hishadlut and Hishaduchim is that you have to do normal Hishadlut and Hishaduchim. Ah, normal is a very good question. Normal is proportional to a person. Normal is proportional to yourself. So let's say you would go and what's your normal, what's your shadut that you do for panasa? So you have to figure out what level you are on. And the level that you are on and the hishadut that you do for everything else is the hishadut that you should do for the shiduchin. So if you're on a, if you're, if you go and you say you're learning to, let's say his guys, learning to all days, doing all, and he does it, everything comes to him. Then he could, wor- he could worry about that his, his wife is going to knock on the door and says, hi, I'm your wife, when do you want to get married? But the general population, if you're going and you're doing the normal hishadut for your panasa, for your health, for everything else, you're going to doctors, then just like you're doing normal hishadut for everything else, the same thing applies for, for shiduchin. Hishadut in, in emunah and works proportional. So if you're proportional, if your level is here, that's the level that you need to do over here. So everybody has a different level of Hishadlut. So generally speaking, the Hishadlut that a person needs to do is meet with Shatchanim. You know, go on on dates. Yes, that's required. Uh, you have to meet the people. Um, and sometimes you get hurt and sometimes, yes, unfortunately it happens. But that's the normal Hishadlut for the general population. I, I, I thought you were going the wrong way. Yes. So, um, you know how we say Meshanem HaKom Meshanem but on the other hand, you could also change your new duck, right? So how do you know when okay. you're just like what running? What does that mean? Change like, is it okay to think that I'm in a state of bad luck and maybe I should do something completely physically different and not just work on... Definitely. If you have the ability to go and change yourself, if, that's what, if I'm getting your question Well, right? like sometimes, you, you know, you, like you can work on your new duck and everything, but like we also have something... Is it in the Gemara, Mishan Yes, yes, yes. There is a very, very common thing, If you change your place, you change your, your mazal. There are some people, and, and we have seen this with businesses. You have some businesses, I don't want to start calling out names, you have some businesses that they open up one after another. You see this, you know, locally, I'm in Kings Highway, right? You see some businesses, they open up and they close, they open up and they close. They're like, what's it, Mishnah? There's something wrong with this mazal in this place. Then they change it all of a sudden, they're successful. So definitely there is a concept, mazal. But then what's your question? Well, no, because it's a very thin line, because you can always say, you know, you can look for a relocation cure every time, you know? No, so yeah, don't run away from your problems, and just like, oh, it must be I'm not getting mad here, let me move. But uh, really what you should do is, Mishanem.com is also Mishanem, your, your own place. We're all comfortable in our zone. So not only do we have to move physically, we also have to move in our spiritual, emotionally, and intellectually aspects as well. That's also Mishan Emazah. If you change who you are, you change it. The Rambam says that when you do, Maimonides says, if you do Chuba, you can even change your name because you're a different person. If you're a different person, you have different Mazah than you had before. So yes, Mishan Emazah, sometimes Makom is a bad Mazah, but also sometimes your Makom is a bad Mazah as well.
You're my call me name. You're your you person, you who you are as a as a person. Yes. Sometimes God delays your zivuk so that you will you're like on a path for like growth. For example, let's say about Shuvah. So if they would get married all of a sudden on their beginning process, then they would meet someone like X, Y, and Z. But all of a sudden, they're they're on like a, a fast track to like in six, seven months, all of a sudden there's somebody else. So God sometimes delays it to become, you know, because this is who you ought to be. Right. And who says the other guy is not also doing it? Well, who says the other guy is not already there and that level and is waiting for you to get there? And really on your level right now, he would never date you. But now all of a sudden that you grew and you became who you are, now all of a sudden you're on the radar. So it goes in both ways. You had a guy that was touring a mental institution. And this guy's touring this mental institution and he comes by the first room. And the first room there's a guy that is going and is banging his head against the wall and he's screaming, Rachel, 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 Rachel. And he's pulling out his hair, Rachel, Rachel. And the guy said, what happened to this guy? So the... The guy, in the, the, the guy who's leading the, the tour, he says, this guy, he fell so in love with the girl Rachel, and she dumped him, and she did no interest in him. And because of that, he, he went crazy, and now he's all day screaming, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. He's like, oh, I feel so bad. Wow, look at this guy. They go to the next room, and he looks into the window, he sees another guy banging his hand against the wall. He's like, Rachel, 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 pulling out his hair, Rachel. He's like, this guy, what happened? How many girls did this girl date? So he's like, no, 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 this guy, he says, like, she, he actually married Rachel. You know, and then he ended up, you know, in here. So, <laughs> so, what happens is the Gemara says that if somebody goes and prays, I want to marry Rachel, I want to marry Rachel. You're not supposed to. But what happens if someone goes and marries somebody? The power of prayer that God can make you marry that person. But what happened to the other person? Shimon is supposed to marry Rachel, not Ruben. What happened to what happened to Shimon? So sometimes what it could happen is is, is God will make it that yes, Ruben prayed. Now Ruben unfortunately is going to go. And again, this is only a, a hypothetical, a possibility. Ruben will now die or divorce or whatever it is, and now Shimon will marry his correct zivug. So there is ways, uh, there's free will that is, that is implemented over here, uh, you know, of, of what you need to do. And obviously, because Shimon had to go through that, it's, God orchestrates everything, you know, in his, in his infinite, you know, divine plan. But there is a possibility that someone will marry the wrong Zivug, and then God could go and make it right. And the question is how to make it right. So there's different, there's different ways. There's also ways to make it right that if somebody got married, this is not what I want someone to come out of. If someone got married, that was the right Zivug. Don't think about it, now I'm going to die because this, well, my wife is a witch. You know, like, don't think about that. You married, that's your zivug. That's who you need to mar- marry to. If it's difficult, by the way, you should know that zivug doesn't mean it's easy. Zivug, mazal, doesn't mean that your life is going to be blissfully everything amazing. It means that God orchestrated that man A marries woman A. Oh, but it's not going to be easy. That's not, not always everyone's tafkid. Everyone has a specific mission in their life. Sometimes they need a difficult woman. Sometimes they need a difficult husband to go and, and to get. Obviously, there are certain times where divorce is necessary. But just because something is difficult doesn't mean that you didn't get the zivug hagon. You didn't mean that you get the wrong, the, the wrong zivug. You have to do whatever it is that you need to do. If you need therapy, you go to therapy. If you need to fix your midot, you go to midot. You need to do therapy yourself. Whatever it is you need to do, you need to fix yourself. And Bezat Hashem, that will work it out. And even if you think you may have gotten the wrong thing, God has a way of His infinite wisdom and able to go and manipulate and even in ways of of, of Gilgulim and and uh, which again if anybody knows what I'm talking about fine if anybody doesn't know then just leave it that God could make your zivug a right zivug but once you delve into these things you start getting a little bit confused on what your purpose is you what you need to do is be the best person that you could be and once you're the best person that you can be, you answer all problems. You're going to get your soulmate, you're going to get a zivukifi masav. Yes, God goes and makes sure that if, let's say, somebody was destined to marry a, a, you know, a big tzaddik, 
But this girl wasn't the level of a big tzaddik. So what, the tzaddik is going to marry somebody who wears pants? No, of course not. So they're going to go and they're going to rearrange the situation. Obviously, it's going to have to be arranged. And that's a way of losing somebody. The way that you lose somebody is if you're not on the level of the spiritual level that you need to be. Your soulmate is on one level and you're on way over here, then it's a big problem. Then you're not going to, you're not going to lose that. So really, you can connect both of them to the same so thing. So freedom of choice, you can lose Freedom of choice, you could, yeah. Who was meant to, so there are several. So now I'm at one level. Right, so he's saying, is there a second level? Yes, so that's why there's many... There's, there's not just one person that you're sitting there and you're waiting for him. There is one person that you're meant to be with. And the majority of the time, you'll find that person. Majority of the time. Obviously, you have free will, you can mess it up. We all know people that mess up their lives. So right? Rehab majority, is full of those people. I'm sorry. Then how come the majority will find the person? How is that? How is it the majority find the people? Yeah. And, and then what? And then you're going to say that they have bad marriages? Is that, no, oh, no, okay. nothing like that. How is it that God, because, oh, yeah, there was a woman, there was a Yeah, like she said, like the, the, somebody could be religious, then you could marry somebody less religious. And then how could that, yeah. Like, God, there was a woman that went over, there's a, a very famous midrash, so a woman well, goes over yes. to a big rabbi and says, what does God do since the six days of creation? God created the world in six days. Now, what does he do all the day? And you know what? So, so says Rabbi Yossi, what does God do? God is making matches all day. He's like, God is making matches all, all day? I can do that so simple. She, had, she was a very wealthy woman. She had a thousand men servants, a thousand female servants. She says, hey, hey marry a woman. She started marrying off men and women, men and women. The next, the next day, she had a line out her door. This one had a broken arm. This one had a broken eye. This one had a broken foot. This one had a broken this. Right? And he says, well, you know what's going on over here? He says, I can't marry this woman. Whatever it is, I can't. I can't be with her. I can't marry this guy. This guy's abusive. I can't do it. She goes over to the rabbi. He says, now I see how wise you're, you know, you, what you're saying is that God is in the I thought it's so simple. Just everyone just marry whatever. It doesn't matter. But really, what does God do? God orchestrates everything. So every time that you mess up something, God moves around all the, the, the pins. Can you mess it up? Yes. What's going to happen to you? May God have mercy of your soul. I don't know what to tell you. You know, like, but, but like, the way that we know, the Torah says that God is, God would be arranged. When you came into this world, you're a part of a half a soul. There's a female part and a male part. And you, when you get married, you come together. Can you mess it up? Most definitely. What happens then? Okay, then you have different situations that have to deal, you know, deal. And God could still manipulate it and work it out that everything should still go well as, you know, to, to, to the best level that it's possible. But we have free will and our free will has the ability to override even our zivug. But the, that's only when we go above and beyond. If we do everything that we need to do according to Allah, we're going to get our zivug. And if God said these people and this person should go and get married, there's a reason why they should get married. And God allowed it to happen. Again, you could mess it up. There was once a story with Ramosha Feinstein that he was Misadal Kiddushim. He was going, he was officiating the wedding. And the Khatan goes and makes, you know, He says, the, he says the, the verse that he's supposed to say, and he tries to put the ring on, the woman sticks out a finger, and she's, she tries to put the ring on her, on her finger. And the ring drops down and rolls down. And everyone's like, oh, it's not a good sign. Mazal, you know, not a good sign. So he picks up the ring, you know, he's like shaking. He says the verse again, and he puts it on a ringer again. This time it falls out again. And everyone's like, stop the wedding! You know, it's not meant to be. I object. There's something wrong over here. But Moshe finds, you know what Moshe finds? He says, says, no, go and get married. Why go and get married? Because every single person is supposed to get married to a particular person at a particular time. And when was that time? It was a few seconds later. So God made him drop the ring three times, two twice, whatever, three times. Not because it wasn't meant to be. Don't start reading signs. You know, don't become the major sign. Be like, okay, well, he came five minutes late and my gematria of my name is like, whatever, you know, like, and you start figuring out, must be, not for me. Like, relax. 
you know, you do what you need to do. When you do what you need to do, then God will take care of you. Once we start going at too much calculations, then we're trying to play God. When we try to play God, we fail. Why? Because we're not God. And we can't play God because we're not God. And if we would be God, we wouldn't be God. We wouldn't be here. Whatever it is. Long story. We're not. So, long story short, do what you got to do, and God will take care of you. I have a question. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My mom told me this, but I don't know if she's, like, she's very superstitious at times with her thinking, and she says, oh, when you're at the Kupan, like, the Chatan doesn't break the glass, like, the cup on his first try, like, it's a sign also. Not a sign. He's nervous. He's been fasting all day. Relax. It's probably hard glass. <laughs> Different person. How many dates you go on is an excellent question. It depends on the person. I uh, my nephew went on four dates in Israel. Now he's married. Um, I know people that went on fifty-six dates. It depends on a person. It depends on the person. Uh, you have to be. It, it, that question is very particular to that particular person. How the person feels. Now again, after a year. You shouldn't be like, well, I'm not sure. I'd be like, no. Then you're, you know, then you have undecisive issues, and that's why you're not sure. Not because it's really not sure. You're just you're someone who can't commit. But if if it's like a difference between like 15 and 25 or whatever it is, whatever. If you tell you, depends on the person. Yeah, some people 15 dates is what they need. Some people need 10. Some people need four. Some people. No, in the beginning when you're going out with a guy and whatever, you're just trying and you want to see how many times should I go out with him. You're asking how many times before I should say... Until you see if you like until, it. No, no, until you're giving you up. Uh-huh. Until you say no? Until you say yes or no. So that's... That's a really hard question to answer based off hypotheticals because it depends on the scenario. Because some people will be like, well... It could be an attraction. Then it could be midot. Uh, then it could be Torah shkafa. You know, so it could be different things that are. So some things are red flags. Some things are not red flags. Some things I say, like for example, with attraction, I always tell people one date you can't tell. Pictures you definitely can't tell. How you many, have people. How many for it, I would say at least three. Because personality comes together with attraction. Oh, you mean if you're not attracted to them, you should give it again. Yeah. Okay, because if you... Yeah, if everything all matches up and you're like a... If your attraction... Right, the flip side also, right. So if somebody is like completely not attracted... Exactly. Exactly. So we have to be, we have to be true. We can't just be so shallow. We are a shallow generation. We have to be... Attraction is very important. So if you're on a first date and intellectually you see that you don't match and it's not clicking... If it's some, so this is how you have to understand. If it's something that's absolutely no shockers, like it's something that's out of the blue, the guy can't do math, right? He can't do like, like, you know, I have ten dollars. What's a ten percent tip? Like if he can't, like, if he can't do something simple, you know, like that, and you're doing advanced calculus, you know, in your head, then yeah, you know, maybe it's something that you talk about. But if intellectually the guy doesn't look as bright as you, first of all, people don't open up, especially girls, don't open up right away. It takes time to open up. So you don't really know the true person until you're out on a few dates with them. But if it's something out of the blue that there's no way, like he comes out with a king and he's like limping like this, you know, um, and he has another head growing out of his back, and you're like, I don't think I'm attracted to him. I don't think that a few more dates, you know, even if he could be Einstein and Shakespeare at the same time, I don't think it's going to change. So there's something that's way out of the blue, and there's something that's like, eh, I don't know. What if Hushkafa doesn't match? So hashkafa doesn't match is also very important, and you have to see how how much it, how much a distance is it from. Like it, it's all relevant. There's some people that like they want a guy who wears white shirt and black pants. Like that's what they want, and uh, you know, like okay, fine. And so he wears 
white shirt with black lines, you know, or black buttons. I'd be like, no, absolutely not. This guy's a guy. You know, like, is a, you know, like, so again, you got to be realistic what the Ashkafa is. Then you have somebody who's like Ashkafa, they're learning in Yeshiva all day, and the girl wears pants and whatnot. And obviously that's not going to match. So everything is, everything is very relevant. It's very hard to answer these questions because they're very broad and everything is very, very particular. You have to find somebody that you can speak to and you can deal with and say, okay, listen, you know me or, or if you know me, then this is me and this is the situation. Is this something that is a red flag? Is this something that I should continue dating? Is it something that I should give it another chance? Is it something that I should just drop right away? Yes. Absolutely. 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 If you are not on the same religious level and it's way off, that's a red flag. Absolutely. Then change. Don't change for me. Change for you. Change. Come back to me in two months. Let me see what you're doing. I've had a girl that I was dealing with, uh, you know, a student of mine, that also, she was dating a guy, and the guy wasn't religious, and she was religious. And I deal with children that come from those type of families, where one parent is religious and one parent is not. The kids are so confused. One week they keep Shabbat, one week they don't keep Shabbat. You know, well, what, 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 can you blame them? The, you know, the father is sitting there with a hat and jacket saying Kiddush, the mother's watching TV. What if you meet someone that's more religious and or less religious, and they say, I'm going to grow? Everybody says they're gonna grow. It depends whether they're like, I'm a spiritual person. You know, like, what does that mean? You know, like, are you religious? No, but I'm spiritual. I'm like, what? Like, when you're high? Like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that mean you're spiritual? So they, they, you have to see a person for who they are right now. Don't, and this is very important, don't accept, don't, don't go and marry a person because of who they will be. You know, it's a trap that unfortunately women tend to fall more than men because a man goes to a woman and says, I'm going to marry her, she will never change. A woman, go, a woman goes to a man, I'll marry him, and he'll change. Really, they're both wrong. They both say exactly the way they are. So when you marry somebody, you have to marry somebody, you're okay with who they are at they are. If you're not, then make them, or they should, you shouldn't make them. They should become who they, who they really ought to be, and then if it works out, then it works out. But again, a lot of these questions, I don't want you to take these, you know, information and just like plug it into your thing. Ask. A lot of these things are very, the, the, the nuances in these questions, every single nuance will make a world of a difference. So just, even, this, even though this is general guidelines, you should still utilize your own rabbi, your own, you know, person that you, you deal with and how to ask these questions to figure out if this is correct or if this is not correct. If there's something that I should stop or something that I should continue with. Because there's a lot of things that even though what I say may appear as red flags, in some situations may not be red flags. And some things that I didn't say red flags really could be huge red flags. According to the check, what, could, do you have any suggestions of like ways we can check without to check? The like, check to, to check if he's stingy. Like let's say going on five dates, fifth date and on. How can we see his? You have to be very perceptive, really. That's the truth is. Like sometimes, you have to really be perceptive. Now, and, and one thing I'll tell you, I don't know if I said this recently. I said definitely said this recently. I don't think I said it on camera. Maybe I did. That um, when there was a girl who was going out on a date with a guy, and she wanted to test him to see how his anger was. So he's driving driving on the road, and he stops at, the, at a red light. She leans forward. She takes out the keys. I guess what type of car? She on, Before push button, right? She takes out the keys, and she throws it out the window. She doesn't say a word. The guy is sitting over there. He's looking. He's looking at her, and he's looking. He doesn't say anything. He gets out of the car, picks up the keys, puts it in the ignition, turns it on, and continues driving. And then she's like, by the way... 
that was a test, and you passed. And he responds back to her, by the way, you failed. I'm taking you home. You're like, you know, like, so don't go testing men, all right? That's the lesson that we learned from this. You go, don't try to figure out how are you going to be stingy. Hey, by the way, what do you think about Chanel? Yeah. Gucci? No? Oh, yeah. Hermes is calling out my name. You know, like, what should I do? You know, like, you know, like, don't test, you know, the guy. You have to be perceptive in how you go and how you figure it out. It is. I have a tip. Can I have a question? Oh, Right. So if it's something that you sometimes yes, sometimes yes. So then for the again, I'm married. I'm just saying, 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 I'm just sa
the, like both, from both ends of it, it says that um, we should be time. We should be, you know, follow Hashem like, simply, you know, not trying to, you know, have reasons. Also, it says that Hashem, like by Balak and Gilab, it says that Hashem loves us because we don't do astrology and things like that. And then you have a lot of contradiction. We have to say the Yitzhiva. We have the Eben Ezra, new astrology, um, Shmuel Hakatan, right? He also, like, he knew, like, so there are a lot of times that, I think also the Tanya, right? They, they, they bring it down a lot about which month governs which thing, and, you know, like, and all those things. So, like, where's the line of, like, like let's say a person were to know how to, let's say, do compatibility, by looking at two people and based on that, not simple thing. Now, not to like, oh, you're born this day and, you know, that. But they really know how to do it with ascendant and, you know, certain, you know, aspects and things like that. And you can tell, you know, compatibility and things like that. Is that a word So, if you go to a really not going a Kabbalist, to, you know to, oh. if you know how to do this, you're not going to ask me that question. Because if you know how to do it, you know a lot of Kabbalah. And then you know the answer already. But if you if you think that you know how to do it and you're asking this type of question, then I'll say to people, those people don't do it. Because obviously you don't know. Uh, but the people that do know how to do it, even those, we don't, we don't follow this. We don't look at the, uh, we look, you don't send the names to the Kabbalists. You don't. But let's say you're not doing it for somebody else. But just that in general, if let's say it interests you, does that make Hashem upset? Is that like so I had this question recently asked to me, if you're allowed to go and you're allowed to study... Uh, you're allowed to study these type of type of things. So most of these things that they come, the knowledge that comes from nowadays, is comes from from either either it comes from secular sources, uh, which could either be true or false. If it's true, then it comes from black magic, which is not allowed to. And if it's false, then you're wasting your time. So the only true sources is from the Kabbalah, and the Kabbalah do not write anything down, especially in languages that you would un- most people want to understand. I don't know, maybe you do understand Aramaic, and the def- but most places you don't understand it. So if you find the source that explains you how to do it, generally speaking, again, there are a few, few minute sources in English that do, rabbis did write down certain books that do, you know, you are, are kosher, but the majority of sources, stay away from them. Stay away from learning it, stay away from studying it, just deal, when, when you're talking about anger, there's a very fine line between bad anger and normal anger. Everybody gets angry. Right, because we live in Brooklyn. But I'm saying <laughs> just generally... Seriously, no, I am, so I am very serious. Right, so you have to be at a normal at a normal level. You're right. Everybody does get angry. So there's rage and there's temper. There is like somebody who's driving and somebody cuts him off and they want to burn their house and their mother's house. And there's somebody who goes and honks them for two minutes and then continues on with their life. So like everybody has, you're right, everybody has their own issues. But depending on, you know, there's obviously there's, there's issues and then there's issues. You know, so like what you're comfortable with. Are you okay with a guy that when you come home, he's like, receipt, four pounds of tomatoes, four pounds of tomato, like, you know, like, if that's what you're okay with, then fine. But if you go, like, it depends, that's stinginess, not really so much anger, combination of anger and stinginess, but you, when you go, so it's something that you have to be comfortable with. If you're comfortable with a guy who's, and he has an anger issue, then if it's something that you could live with, then, you know, make... Only, only blessings should come on everybody. Like you know, like it depends on your own personal self. But something that you should worry about from what issues do arise: anger, arrogance. By the way, is the number one issues in marriage problems, where no one's ever wrong, and this one's you know, like so. Does anger come? Yes, very much closely connected. Yep. 
That's why I say anger. Exactly. Yeah. Arrogance and anger no. uh, well, I, I just said that off the top of my head. That's one of the things I should say from. Okay, good? General, yes. What if he's addicted to like smoking? Is that what you're like, like, oh, Wait, which smoking? <laughs> oh, okay, fine. It's an easier question. Okay. If you're comfortable, if you're okay with smelling, it's unhealthy. It's something that's going to affect you and affect the kids. So, yeah, I don't think that's picky. If you can't smell it and you gag every time, then it's not a problem. Thank God you asked me that question. That's an easier question. Good. Okay, thank you. Thank you for hosting. Thank you for coming. Oh, this is also important. Thank you. It was one of the reasons why we did this class. Every uh, We have a class every Wednesday, every Thursday, I'm sorry, for women at BJX at 1601 Quentin Road. At 16th and Quentin, right, right over there. So whoever wants, um, Sapir could add you to the chat. There's a 8 o'clock. So she could add you to the chat for uh, the girls' uh, Thursday classes. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.